crack in this cave and it opens up into this enormous room. This enormous room where we spend weeks now. We'll spend an entire month here. We could spend years here in this love of God. This giant cathedral of God's love. Well, we began two weeks ago talking about God's love, that God actually desires a relationship with us. God loves you. He spoke it through his prophets, telling his people how much he loved them. Return to me, because I love you. Steadfast love, merciful and gracious. But he also spoke through Jesus Christ. Jesus came and demonstrated God's love. Words were not enough for God. He sent his own son who lived among us, who walked among us, hands and feet, touched people and healed people. And then those hands were nailed to a cross that every one of us might be saved from our sin. Every one of us might be redeemed and restored to God. That we might have life, life eternal that goes on forever and ever with God. This is love. But along with talking about God's love, we also realize that we also need to talk about those times when we feel distant from God's love. Even as I preached that first week, I could look at some people's faces and I could see the struggle. I know that some of you are in deep valleys. Some of you are in hard places, even where God might feel distant. And to be honest about that, that sometimes we as Christians, we go through these seasons. We go through the desert when God feels far off. But we are reminded that God is with us. Even in the desert of our faith, even in the times when we feel dry and that we feel like our prayers don't even get off the ground, that God is with us, that he is present with us, that he is always with us. So we've kind of, we started high with God's love and then we went down to some reality that sometimes it is hard to connect with God. Sometimes we feel distant. This morning I pray that we'll begin working our way back out again. Reminded that we can draw close to God. Reminded there are things that we can do that will bring us into God's presence. One of the things that we can do, one of the most powerful things that we can do is remember. Recall and recount what God has done in history. Even if we aren't necessarily feeling God's love, we can remember that he loves us. We can remember what he did throughout human history. We can remember that God brought his people out of Egypt. I think this is one thing we learn from the people of Israel and from the Old Testament, that we are to be called or we to be a remembering people. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll find in Psalms and Kings and Chronicles and Prophets constantly this reference to, you are the God who brought us out of Egypt. When the people of Israel would begin to take God for granted, they would remind each other what God had done for them. Even though it may have been generations before, they still reminded each other, this is what God has done. We don't deny this. We remind each other. God has brought his people out of Egypt and he was with them even in the dry places, even in the desert. Even when they complained, God, why have you brought us here? Have you brought us here to die? He still remained with them. And we can remember this too. But we have even more. Praise God, we have even more that Christ came. The Son of God came and, and entered into this world, crawled into this world on his hands and knees, into the sin and brokenness of this world to save us. We can remember this. We can remind each other of this. That Christ has come to save us. That God so loved us that he sent his Son. We can remember that Jesus came and he walked among us. He healed people. Children would come to them and he would grab them up and embrace them. He would touch people. Jairus came to him and said, Lord, can you heal my, my daughter? And he would heal her. He raised her from the dead. 
Jesus would heal a blind person. The woman came to him and washed his feet with her hair and her tears. And he said, your sins are forgiven. He healed people. He restored them. And if that weren't enough, he went all the way. All the way to Jerusalem where they abused him. Where they tortured him and they hung him on a cross. And yet he stood there. Or he hung there by his own volition. He gave up his own life for our sake. That we might have life with God. That we might have a right relationship with him. That we might be redeemed. Jesus did all of this. And we are good to remember it. It does us well to remember these things. When we feel distant from God, maybe we don't necessarily feel close and loved, but we can remember these things, that God has done them in history. God has done them in history. So God has been working throughout human history, but he's also been working in our lives as well. I know that if I ask you, if I say, can you tell me of times when you knew God was working in your life? Maybe it was time when you were in the deep place, when you were in the struggle of your life, and you knew that God was there with you. You knew that you couldn't make it through unless he was there with you. Or maybe it was in this great time when God provided something amazing, and you praised God for it, and you recognized, God, this is from you. See, God works throughout human history, but he also works in our own lives. He's worked in our lives from the moment that we were born. God works in us. But sometimes we get to a place where we forget that. We start focusing on our situation right now and we feel distant from God and maybe even angry with God. And we we become plagued as Christians. We become plagued by this question, God, what have you done for me lately? We forget what he's done through our lives and we get stuck on this question, what have you done for me lately? How are you showing up right now? And our faith struggles. You see, we have a faith that can rely on, on what we feel. There's, there's good in that. But we also need two parts. We need faith that relies on the facts. The truth that God has been at work in history, but also God has been at work in our lives. We need both. Sometimes we rely on one more on the other. Sometimes we have both, and that is good. So we remember what God has done in history. We remember what God has done in our life, but we also remember what he will do. We remember forward. We remember the words that John spoke in Revelation. We remember the words that Jesus spoke throughout the Gospels. That he will come again. That he has not left us. He has not abandoned us. Christ will come again. He will restore all things, make them new and good. Restore us to him. Give us new life, life in its truest sense. We remember these things and they give us hope. They remind us of God's love. And they bring us close to him. So we draw close to God by remembering. Remembering throughout history what he's done. Remembering in our lives what he's done. And remembering that ultimately we are a people of hope. A people who look forward to Christ's return. We are called to remember and it will draw us close to God. It is a powerful way to bring us back to God. But we also draw close to God by cultivating our relationship cultivating our work by drawing close to him, seeking him, preparing our heart to be with him. It reminds me of a garden. Many of you garden, which is a good thing. Many of you garden. So you, kind of, you, may, you may understand what I'm talking about. Isn't that in a garden, if you want produce, if you want fruit to come, you have to put some work into it. Imagine, and you gardeners, if you just said, I'm just going to wait for this ground to produce a garden. 
I'm going to come by every week, maybe once a week, and see if the garden has popped up. How fruitful that would be. No, you begin in the spring and you till the soil. You put fertilizer into the ground. You water it and you, and you meticulously plant seeds in rows so they're easy to grow, easy to harvest. You water it. You care for it. You build fences around to keep the deer out, or try to at least. You put work into it. And you wait for the fruit to come. You see, sometimes I think about our faith and as I hear people talk about prayer, and it's like, you know, I just, I just don't pray much. I, I, I don't know, it's just not my thing. And, or I don't really read God's word. Or, you know, I am just kind of pray every once in a while. And it kind of reminds me of someone if they were to guard and just sort of throw seeds out every once in a while and hope that their garden grows. Sure, things might take root. God does miracle things. He does miraculous things. Great things might grow. But there's also, we can also cultivate it. And I would say most of us need to cultivate it. Most of us need to pour work in, preparing the soil, preparing our hearts to receive God. So gardens remind me of this, and that there's some work that can go into it to cultivate our relationship with God. But also, gardens remind me of faithfulness. You see, you do all this work in May and June, and by June 30th or June 28th, there's still no garden, there's still no fruit. In June, you're still working, taking out the weeds, watering. No fruit yet. July comes, maybe a few signs. August, maybe something is starting to finally come. And finally, at the end of August, then you can start taking the fruit off of it. Gardens are a work of faith. You put in this work in the spring, faithful that it will come, the fruit, in the fall, in the harvest time. Sometimes our relationship with God is like this. There are times when we're putting in work, we're tilling the soil, preparing the soil. And it doesn't always come immediately. We don't sit down for two minutes and say, okay, God, show yourself, and he just pops up. Sometimes he does, and that's great. But a lot of times it takes a season of preparation, of cultivating our relationship with him. More so getting ourselves ready. Making ourselves ready to connect with him. See, that's something I think that's helpful for us to understand, is that we need to bring ourselves to God. I'll get to this in a bit, but God is always with us. It's not so much that we say things or do the right things to sort of get God to be with us. God is always with us. It's more that we do the things to bring us close to God. There are things that we can do. Praise God that he has given us things to bring us close to him. Some of these things are like like silence. In this noisy world where we live, filled with text messages and emails and and nightly news and and internet and TV and phones and radio and people conversations and everybody talking all the time. Silence. Stepping away from all the distractions, everything that tries to to take our attention, everything that tries to distract us from God, stepping away from all that into silence. Just silence. Listening for God. but also solitude. If silence is the stepping away from things that distract us, solitude is stepping away from the things that we use to distract ourselves. Maybe it's our work. Maybe it's a lot of relationships, really good friends that we always keep ourselves filled. We're always meeting with people, talking with people, so we never have to get very deep in what's going on in our own heart. 
If silence is a thi- are the things that come into our lives that distract us, solitude is the things that we bring in, the things that we hold on to, these crutches that we use to get through life without ever going deeply with God. In solitude, we stand before God alone, without crutches, without things to hide behind. We come before him, just us and God. Silence and solitude, these things, they, pre- they prepare us for prayer. They prepare us to speak with God, to come before him, to pray to him, to pray to him and say, God, please help me with this load. I have this load of things. These things that are on my mind, help us to set them down. Help me to set them down, God. I'm tired. I'm weary. Help me to set them down. And then we can pray to God, God, please reveal your love to me. I believe God loves to answer this prayer. God loves to answer this prayer. God, I want to know your love better. I want to sense your presence more in my life. I want to be with you more. God answers this prayer. He loves this prayer. These are the active things that we can do to sort of get ourselves into the right place with God. And once we're in the right place with him, then we begin to receive things. In our prayer, we can sit there and we can pray to God and we can pray with our heart. So I think oftentimes we get stuck praying with our head because we live in an activist society. And by activist, I mean active, looking for action. We come to God with our long list of to-dos. God, can you please help me with this? Help my friend with that. Cure my friend of this. Help my friend with their job. Help my daughter with her work. Help my father with his illness. God, please, will you do this and will you do that and will you help with this and will you serve over there? And I try to think about this. If Corbin, if this is all my relationship was like with my son, if the only time he talked to me is when he had a list of things for me to do, a list of things for me to look after, to help him with. Now, I love to help my son. I love to help him with things. And I believe God loves to help us. He loves to be at work in this world. But I tell you, I also love it when Corbin runs up to me, jumps into my arms and says, I love you, Daddy. I love those times. You see, sometimes we pray so much with our head, praying about, you know, God, this thing needs your help and you need to be at work here. Can you please help with this? That we forget to pray with our heart. We get so busy praying to God that we don't pray with God. To just be present with God. To sit with God in prayer because we love him. Or because and if we don't necessarily feel love because God loves us and wants to show us his love. And so we sit quietly with him because we want to just be next to him. And God begins to work in us. And if we'll sit for long enough, we'll begin to hear God speaking. Oftentimes it's a voice and it comes up even from the inside of us. Surprises us. These words that we hear, words of encouragement, words that challenge us. If we will sit quietly, God will speak. So we hear, we listen. We listen to God in prayer. And just as it's important to step away in in solitude, to step away from all the things we use to kind of help us, to hide behind, it's also important to step towards faithful friends, to fill that void with faithful friends, Christian friends, who will encourage us and speak honestly with us. This morning I talked about small groups and there are sign-ups out there. 
Ways that we can get connected with people. Small groups are a great way to finally know people more deeply. To know them more than just five minutes on Sunday morning. Hey, how are you doing? How's the, how's the job going? But to talk in the middle of the week. To ask, how are you really doing? How can I pray for you? We need faithful friends like this who will speak honestly with us, who will speak the truth in love. When they see that we are down and discouraged, they will speak God's love to us. They will speak redemptive words to us. When they see that we are doing something wrong that is sinful, something that is contrary to God's design for us, they will say, you're not doing right. You're not following the God that you trust. You're doing something different. This is sinful. We need faithful friends who will be honest with us. We can draw close to God and he can draw close to us or speak to us through friends. And he can speak to us through his word. He can speak to us through the scriptures. We read them faithfully. But it also takes a little bit of a different eye to read God's word, not so much for information, but for transformation. Reading not so much to know a lot more about biblical history or about Paul's letters, but reading to draw close to God. And oftentimes it's a lot less about quality, or sorry, a lot less about quantity than it is about quality. Sometimes it's just reading one sentence. Or maybe it's reading for, for just a few moments and then, ca- and then one phrase just jumps out to us. One phrase captures us and we just spend the rest of the morning there. Delving into what God is speaking to us. See, we're so tempted to read past that. To get more information. Or to get our reading done. More as a matter of duty than as a, matter of, or as a time to draw close to God. God will speak to us through the word. Just this last week, I was reading through Jeremiah, listening to this prophet speak about idols and convicted, hearing God speak to me, convicted me of the idols that I have in my own life. God will speak to us through his word if we will listen. It's one of the most powerful ways if we'll just spend time there. God desires to know us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And praise God, we aren't just waiting, hoping that someday it will flash. There are things that we can do, like preparing a garden that will prepare our hearts for him, that will bring us close to God, to put us in the right place so that when he does speak, we'll hear it. Now some of you might be thinking, how am I ever going to do this? You know, Pastor Jason, this is all well and good for you. You're a pastor. This is what you do all day. I do a few more things, but... What about me? I've got a real job. I've got kids. Either I've got young kids or my kids are grown. I'm not sure which was easier. I've got real life and and I'm busy. I'm I'm just wired that way. I'm always busy. I'm always thinking about stuff. I'm always working on things. I've got way too much to sit down for half an hour and talk with God. I know that some of you are wired this way. I have a friend who's a pastor... He's wired this way. As we talk about our devotion life, he's, he looks at me and says, I, I could never do that. I could never just sit and pray for ten minutes. Like, two minutes is my limit. But there are things that we can do. It may not be natural in us, and some of us may be gifted toward it. Some of, us may be able, some of you might be able to spend like days in prayer. Bless you. You have a gift. God is working in that. Some of you might have to work a little bit to cultivate this in you. If you are a busy person or an anxious person, you might have to work a little bit to slow down. 
Set five minutes aside at first and then slowly work up to six or ten. Maybe fifteen. <laughs> but taking that time when you're with God, trust you, you will not regret it. But I can speak from my own experience how, how easy it is, how tempting it is when that time comes and think, oh, maybe I'll just check my email real quick. You know, I've got just this little bit of paperwork. I just need, then I'll, then I'll do that. And the next thing I know, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm already well on my way and I've left God out of it. God, forgive me. I know that some of us, some of you are not totally wired for this. You're thinkers and you're doers. It's hard to sit down and reflect. God has made you that way. Don't fight that. But you can cultivate this inner life, this relationship with God. It's important. It will make the difference. So God is at work in us and there are ways that we can draw close to him, things that we can do that not so much bring God to us, but bring us to God. I was thinking about this, this word of practicing awareness. See, I think sometimes we take God for granted. We forget that God is with us. I hear people, and, I, and I, last week as I was preaching how it's hard to sometimes connect with God, I see people nodding agreeing. It's common. I feel it myself, but we we can be reminded that God is not far from us. God is present. It is we who have been away from God. We are the ones who seem to drift off. There was a Christian. His name was Brother Lawrence. He worked at trying to to, to be present or to remember that God was present in everything. When he did dishes, people would comment like, why are you smiling? It's because I'm doing dishes and God is with me. I'm doing these dishes because I believe if I do them to my heart's desire or to my heart's content that God will be pleased with this. He did everything for God's glory. Everything. I remember reading the story of a man who was in a POW camp. And, and he, was, um, he actually volunteered to, do, to clean the, the, the latrines or, or the, the bathroom places, the, the stalls. You can imagine a POW camp, it's not a very sanitary job. But he volunteered for it and he, he loved that time because he was free to be with God there. When all the rest of the, all the, rest of the, the prisoners were, were tortured and, and shuttled to do different jobs and constantly hurried up, they just left him alone to clean the latrine, to clean the bathrooms. This is what I'm talking about, practicing the presence of God. Practicing our awareness, reminding ourselves that God is present. You see, sometimes we forget this, but it's, it's in the God's Word. In Psalms, we hear David speaking. He says, If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I lay down in the depths, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn, and if I go to the far end of the sea, your hand is there guiding me. Your right hand holds me fast. We cannot go anywhere that is apart from God. Jesus, when he gives the, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, He says, go and make disciples of all the world. And then the very next thing he says, he says, and I will be with you always, to the very end of the age. I will be with you. Christ is with you always. And Paul prays for this, this passage where where I uh, I finally found this, this great place of God's love. This passage, Paul prays that the church would be filled with the Spirit that he would dwell in their inner person, that their spirit would be with them always, that Christ would dwell in their heart. 
Paul doesn't pray that they might bump up against the Spirit, like run into the Spirit someday as they're walking along. No, that they'd be filled with God's Spirit. That Christ would fill their heart. God is present with us. Father, Son, and Spirit is present with us all the time. And see, we need to think differently. So often we get caught up in like, how do I get God to show up in my life? And the question is really, God is already there. How do we get ourselves to be present with Him? How do we bring ourselves to God? How do we slow down long enough with everything going on in our lives to bring ourselves before God? You see, sometimes people do, like they pray and they read scripture and they do these things to try and conjure God up in their lives. If I do these things, these disciplines, I'll get God to show up for me. These things aren't to get God to show up. God is already here. They're there to make us show up. They're to make us present before God that we would hear him speak. This is the amazing news. This is amazing news for us. Not only does God love us, the living God, God who created all things, loves you. He desires a relationship with you. He doesn't just want obedience, though that's important. He wants your love. He wants to be a family with you. You are his children and he loves you. And even when we are in the desert places and when it feels dry and it feels like our prayers are just empty words, when it feels like we read scripture and it's just drab and we don't get anything, God is still present with us. If we want God to draw close to us, we can remember what he's done. In our worst days, when we don't feel like God is even in the room with us, we can still remember what he's done. We can remember what he's done through history. We can remind ourselves what he's done in our lives. We can tell each other. And in those moments when, when, when things are okay, when life is all right, we can remind each other or that we can cultivate our relationship with God. We can pray to Him. We can come before Him silently, alone before God, and draw close to Him. This is the good news. God is present in our lives. We don't have to try and search from <clears throat> high and low. We just have to bring ourselves to Him. This is good news for you today. Amen.